On today's episode of Locked On Syracuse, we finish our position breakdown series as we take a look at the returning guards for Syracuse. Now, a few days ago, this would have been a lonely episode with just Quadir Copeland being covered, but because Judah Mintz makes the return for year number two, we've got two names to break down. Plus, we take a look at the state of the guard position for Syracuse. It is absolutely loaded. It's your Locked On Syracuse Tuesday episode. Let's get right after it. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into your Locked On Syracuse Tuesday episode. I'm Owen Valentine saying thank you so much for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've got a lot to break down today. We are finishing up our position breakdown video where we take a look at each position group and break down last season, give each guy a grade, and take a look at some of the question marks and predictions that we have for them going into next season. Now today we break down two players. It's the last position group for Syracuse. It's the guards. It's Judah Mintz and it's Quidir Copeland. And then to wrap up our Tuesday episode, we take a look at the state of the guard position, which has undergone a massive transition in the last couple of weeks. It went from a potentially lonely spot to what could be considered overcrowded at this point in time. So we'll take a look first at Judah Mintz, then we'll take a look at Quidir Copeland, and then we'll wrap things up with the state of the guard position. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll notice we've got a new graphics package, new layout. Hope you like it. Uh, if you'd like it, leave a little shout in the comments over on YouTube. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Shout out to the people at Lockdown for making sure that we consistently upgrade to make sure we stay on top of everything. I think it looks great. I'm excited to have it uh, and adds another element uh, to our show. But today, we start talking judiments and what an exciting thing to be able to group into this episode because what, six days ago, five days ago, we weren't sure what was happening with judiments. Was he going to stay in the draft process? Was he going to test the waters and see, am I going to be a late second or am I going to be a UDFA in football terms or a G league pickup uh, in the NBA right now in the NBA draft, or is he going to come back to Syracuse and, I think a lot of people, when you saw the latest mocks, when you saw the way things went that final week leading up to decision day last Wednesday, you started to think that maybe there's a chance he comes back, but especially based on those mocks. I was losing confidence looking into things like his tryout or his uh, little showcase session with, with the Charlotte Hornets uh, and a couple other things, some quotes that I saw. I wasn't entirely sure. But you get the news. Late night, Wednesday, Judah comes back and now we break him down. Now, Judah had one of the best freshman seasons we've seen in a while for Syracuse at any position, let alone just the guards. Uh, he was advertised by Jim Beheim and some other folks in the media as the best point guard Syracuse has had, especially as a freshman, since Johnny Flynn. 
And that is not something to take light to. And that is exactly what he ended up doing. The two had eerily similar freshman seasons, averaging 15 plus points a game, four to five assists per game, shooting the ball decently from the field, 45-ish percent, uh, and struggling a little bit from three. Flynn a little bit better than uh, Mintz ended up being. But Judah Mintz came in and delivered a phenomenal freshman season. And I think the thing that stands out to me the most with regards to Judah Mintz has to do with growth. And you knew Judah was going to be good, right? He was the highest rated recruit in this class for Syracuse that was a very, very highly populated class, a late cycle recruit that comes in and you had high expectations for him. And he started to deliver early on, right? Played solid from the get-go, defensively, able to get to the rim. You knew he had that in him. But you also knew he was a very young guard and a kid that's playing a little bit out of position, right? Not necessarily a true point guard, not where most of his experience lied at that point in time. And he grew in terms of the passing game. I think you saw tremendous growth in his ability to distribute. And that can go back to one of his biggest strengths. If not, I don't think there's much argument that his biggest strength is his ability to get to the rim, finish through contact, and finish creatively. And as his season progressed, you started to see him turn into a scoring or a point guard that can score without question. But also, you saw that growth in terms of his distribution. He was able to recognize defenses collapsing on him, trying to double team, trying to switch. And he was able to find the open man a hell of a lot more down the stretch than he was able to early on in the season. Same on the topic of growth. I think his mental game grew tremendously as well. You remember early on in the season, some moments of immaturity, right? The issue, the incident against Bryant, Uh, some late game issues, not necessarily all on him, but sometimes trying to possibly do too much down the stretch in a close game. It happened a few times early on. I saw that growth happen. And he went from a freshman that has a lot to learn about the mental side of the game to a freshman who is playing even a little bit more experienced than you might have thought just a month or two ago. I love seeing the growth in so many facets of his game. Even the three-point shot, you saw him close out the season shooting tremendously better from three than he did probably the first two-thirds of the season. His last 10 games, he was very solid from three. Showed that he could be a threat. Showed that he was at least worth guarding beyond the arc, which was not something that you saw in the non-conference slate, in early ACC play. All of the issues that you saw with Judah He really did address and answer throughout that season. And as Bayheim said, and I think is a very accurate statement, ends up being Syracuse's best true freshman point guard since Johnny Flynn. And I don't think that's a a shot at Tyler Ennis. I don't think that's necessarily a shot at Brandon Trish. I just think that freshman season, comparatively, Judah really did deliver. Uh, And if you disagree, let me know, throw that out there. I'd love to have that conversation, see where your ideas fall in this regard. Uh, One of the things that I think, you know, everyone will have stand out for this season as we look back on this season for Judah Mintz is obviously the best dunk since Johnny Flynn 
against Rutgers in that game against Illinois, where Judah elevates and puts a man on a poster. That will be a highlight that you will continue to see recycle through college basketball and Syracuse Twitter and social media for years and years and years to come. If I'm going to give Judah Mintz a grade, I really did like his season. I haven't even talked about defensively, uh, led the ACC in steals per game, was absolutely outstanding in that regard, and was able to create a lot in transition as a result of that defense. And that's something I'm looking forward to seeing again this coming season, is his ability to allow defense to turn into offense. And I think when you pair him and J.J. Starlin together, you're going to see so much of that. Throw Chance Westry in the mix as well. You're going to see so much of that. If I'm going to grade Judah Mintz, I'm giving him an A-. minus. Were there things that could have been better? Yeah, we addressed some of those, talking about his growth, right? The three-point shooting still could have been better, even though he did improve down the stretch. Right? There were some other things you might have wanted to see. It wasn't perfect, but it was a damn good freshman season. And I think everybody in central New York is overjoyed, rightfully so, with the news of him coming back. How could you not be? And that is what you look forward to next year. The excitement, the fact that he grew so much from November to March. Imagine what he is going to do from March to November and throughout his sophomore season and being able to continue to grow and continue to improve and address the needs that we figured out last season, things he could still jump in and heighten his game with, bulking up a little bit, getting that much better at finishing through contact than he already is, and continuing to develop the outside game. There's so much potential. There's so much excitement. And I think the biggest question, and now you can fast it in, you know, NBA executive input, scouts input, things like that. There's so much that he can utilize to grow his game. I think the question with Judah is, where is the ceiling? Because I'm not necessarily sure at this point. The ceiling is very high. And you could see Syracuse's first close to 20-point scorer in some time if he shows improvement based on those numbers, 16 and change a game already this year. If the three-point shot continues to grow, is the ceiling a 20-plus point-per-game score? There's the question regarding Judah. Let's quick on the other side. We'll take a look at the only other returning guard for Syracuse. That's Quidier Copeland. Uh, but let's talk a little bit first about our friends from FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's so much that you can do on FanDuel. Great promos every day. It's safe. It's secure. And when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Owen Valentine here on your Lockdown Syracuse Tuesday episode. We just talked Judah Mintz's season recap. Now let's take a look at the only other guard returning for Syracuse basketball. Now you look last year, obviously, it was not just Quadir. It was not just Judah. 
You had a guy in Simon Torrance. You had a guy in Joe Girard III. Both of those names transfer out, as we are very well aware of. Simon to Binghamton, Girard to Clemson. You bring in, and this is sort of where we go, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, you bring in some players in the portal. But Copeland and Mintz are your only two returning guards. And you know what you're getting out of Judah, right? The Judah portion of this episode writes itself. We're excited. We can't wait to have him back. Quinnier Copeland's section of this episode has a lot more question marks. And I look at Quinnier Copeland, and the first thing that I say every time is energy. I love this guy's energy on the court. I love his energy on the bench. He, John Bull, a couple other guys really, really bring that bench to life. Even down the stretch when Syracuse was struggling, these two were energetic. They're jumping. They're having fun. They're doing dances. They're doing their thing. You love that. And Quadir Copeland was a guy that probably played a lot more early on in the season. And then down the stretch, his role, his minutes came at you know random times when you needed him. Uh, when you weren't necessarily sure, when you were looking for an answer, looking for a spark. Spark is a really good thing uh, in terms of describing Quidier Copeland. He didn't have consistent minutes. He showed that he's got a lot of potential, right? He can shoot the ball occasionally. He can finish at the rim sometimes. He's incredibly creative. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, for, for lack of a better way to put it, combines you know, you're very formal, more structured D1 ACC collegiate basketball with a pickup game almost. He just sort of plays freely, plays fun, and is willing to try things. And within, you know, a certain way and within some certain control, that play style is really beneficial to a team in terms of being able to bring that spark, that energy, and that stuff to the table. Uh, you talk about it. I know, you know, Paul Carcaterra does a lot of these conversations with players uh, in the lacrosse sphere, but I think it definitely crosses over into basketball as well. A lot of these top tier lacrosse players that are, you know, scoring the most creative goals just almost have freestyle sessions where they're, they're just throwing the ball in however you possibly can, a quick flick, a behind the back, a through the legs, a one hand, things like that. And then when you get in the game, you're that much more comfortable scoring. Uh, through contact in weird spots and taking those risks. I think Whittier Copeland's skill set has a lot of that overlap, right? He's a guy that is going to try this crazy pass around somebody's back, through the legs, whatever it might be. And I remember before I hopped on the podcast, they had JP Estrella on, and he talked about how Quadir Copeland might be the single best passer he'd ever seen. And I think that goes to the creativity. And when I look at Quidier Copeland, yes, there's question marks, right? With that creativity, there needs to be some reining in, some control that is sometimes lost. But I do love that potential in terms of what he can do with that. You talk about his season. Where was the big game? Season high, 10 points against Pitt. That was the first time Syracuse had played Pitt. I think they were down 22 points. And my cousin, I'll give her the shout out here. We're sitting next to each other watching this game. And the whole game, she's like, where's Quidier Copeland? Where's Quidier Copeland? Why is he not in the game? They need Quidier Copeland. They need that start, that spark, that energy, that change. And no later than a couple minutes after that statement, they put Quidier Copeland in. And he was that exact spark. He comes in, he scores 10 points. 
He hits a huge three. He brings some energy. He brought some life to a team that was deflated. And yes, Syracuse did end up falling short in that game, but they made that a ball game with a chance to win courtesy of Quidir Copeland. That was his best game of the year. He was able to show that spark a lot of other instances, none to the same avail in terms of really, really rallying a team that needed something. If I'm going to give Quidier Copeland a grade, it's a very small sample size. It's tough to grade. Makes things very polarizing, right? You've got very few things that you can evaluate him on. Probably go B minus, maybe. I don't think I can give him more than a B. Uh, I don't want to give him a C. I don't think uh, his skill set, right? He wasn't disappointing. Uh, he's a guy that was supposed to be a fringe minutes player who came in as a fringe minutes player and did what he wanted, right? And I'm going to give him a B minus because he hit the standard, right? He hit the goal, which was to come in occasionally when needed and be a guy that can supplement, pick up the slack, be some energy. I don't have enough with him to critique all that much. Maybe I'm too kind. Uh, but once again, feel free. Let me know if that's the case. If I'm being too nice, uh, if I am being too kind to Quidier Copeland on that grade of a B minus. My questions with Quidier Copeland are how does he fit in next season? And this is going to sort of foreshadow our conversation. Right? You now have a loaded guard room. Judah Mintz, J.J. Starlin, Chance Westry, uh, Kyle Cuff Jr., Quidier Copeland, and the theory that Justin Taylor is going to cross over between the guards and the forwards. Where does Copeland fit into that mix? Right? And you got to think, this is a guy whose role in the last two weeks has changed drastically. He went from being the number three guy, right? When we thought Judah was leaving, before Kyle Cuff decides to transfer to Syracuse. We thought we had J.J. Starling and Chance Westry and Quadir Copeland and Justin Taylor were going to split or chop up in some capacity those reserve minutes. Now, I don't know how many minutes Copeland mixes in. And there is some growth that needs to happen in terms of being able to get to that and being able to lay claim to those minutes. And it is an unfortunate reality for Syracuse. But this is a player that you could circle and, you know, in however many months from now, eight, nine months. This is a guy, unfortunately, that I do fear could end up in the portal. And unfortunately, and this is the reality of what you've seen with Adrian Autry and being able to bring in better, higher quality recruits, you're going to have to lose players that you like to the portal. That is the reality. Because I do believe that Quidir Copeland is a guy that deserves to play and can play in the Division I college basketball landscape. It is just at this point in time, with Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling theoretically starting, Chance Westry coming in off the bench, what can Kyle Cup Jr. do? What does Justin Taylor do? I don't know if Quadir Copeland is going to be satisfied with the sparse minutes that are probably left on the plate, right? They are scraps in theory. I don't think anyone could fault him if that's the case. I don't want that to be the case. But I do look at this, and I look at the result of the fact that also, right, maybe you lose Judah next year to the draft. You theoretically do. You've got a top 100 recruit in Elijah Moore coming in at the guards to replace, right? Are Copeland's minutes there next year? I don't know either. 
in terms of his junior season a year down the road from what we're talking about now? That's the big question is how does he fit in? Can he find minutes? And what happens? Does he transfer? I don't think anyone could blame him. Anyone could fault him. But that is an unfortunate reality of, uh, of the jump in terms of recruiting that you've seen in two, three months under Red Autry. It's a good problem to have. Uh, but sometimes it is unfortunate when you lose or could lose a guy with as much energy and is a fun guy to watch and a guy that you really love to have around. That's where we go. Take a, a quick look now to wrap things up on your Locked On Syracuse Tuesday episode at the state of the guard position for Syracuse. I've been hinting at it a lot, especially throughout that conversation with Quidier Copeland, right? And where does he fit in? You've got a loaded guard room, right? How often is Jim Beheim? some people might fault him for it, but the reality is, and you know, sometimes I think it's a little extreme, but I do understand Beheim's point that he made occasionally is in the college basketball landscape in televised ACC games and all televised games, you have a break and a timeout every four minutes plus more timeouts down the stretch, right? You don't necessarily need four or five guards rotating through. You don't need three or you don't need four or five forwards rotating through. You don't necessarily need a third center. They're guys you need on the roster for occasional instances, but your rotation is typically three guards, three forwards, two centers for an eight-man rotation. That is typically what you do throughout college basketball. And so with Judah and J.J. Starlin, two guys that demand and warrant 30-plus minutes a game, Chance Westry is your third guy, and I think he could definitely play a little bit of the three, but he's a guy that is going to be deserving 15, 20 minutes a game in this current role. Where are the other guard minutes? Is Kyle Cup Jr., Quidier Copeland, chopping up the three, four, five minutes a game maybe where you need to throw that extra guard in there? Maybe someone gets into foul trouble and you're, you're looking to get another sub in. Where are those minutes? Where do they get distributed? Because J.J. Starling and Judah Mintz are going to be your starting guards, barring severely unforeseen circumstances. And both of these players, given what they did last season, are 30-minute guys, right? Chance Westry is going to be the guy that supplements. He's going to be the guy that is eating next and taking those minutes because of what he can do and that potential there. Kyle Cub Jr., a true question mark, right? We don't know what he can do. We haven't seen him play since really his high school hoop mixtapes, his high school highlights. He's been playing a little bit in the last few months, recovering, but he's been hurt for two years. Hasn't been playing in two years. Can he come out and be a nice surprise that maybe warrants minutes? Sure. There's a chance for that. Could he come out be a complete bust? There's also a chance for that. Quidier Copeland, what kind of growth is there this offseason? Does he grow to the point where the jump shot and the three ball for him becomes a little bit more reliant? I'll tell you that. If Quidier Copeland is going to be a guy that is warranting more minutes than three, four minutes a game every few games, right? I don't think Quidier Copeland in this given lineup, is an everyday player, necessarily. 
he could be in 50% of games type player where he's getting a few minutes and the rare instance where he's getting extended minutes. Or, and this is how you see Copeland propel himself into five, 10 minutes a game more consistently. If Copeland shoots the three at a solid clip, he shoots his way into minutes because Judah, JJ, and Chance are by no means phenomenal three-point shooters. And Syracuse's three-point shooting comes primarily this coming season from the forwards in terms of Chris Bell, in terms of Justin Taylor, in terms of Benny Williams. And so to have a guard, and Quinter Copeland is a crossover type player, right? He could technically be a forward if you really want him to. But to be a guy in that role that can shoot the three, I think you're going to find yourself minutes if you're hitting threes, if you're making shots coming in off the bench. Autry will find you those minutes if that is the case. We'll see what happens. We will. Uh, that's sort of where we'll leave things off today. We talked Judah Mintz. He got an A- minus on the season recap. If you agree, let me know. If you disagree, also let me know. I talked with your Copeland. He got the B-. minus. I said the sample size wasn't large enough to bring him above that or below that. I think that's sort of where I saw him fall. Are there things to improve on? Yeah. Did I hype him up mainly? Yes. Could he improve defensively a little bit? Sure. Uh, Decision-making, yes. Uh, but I, I do like what he brings to the table. And then we broke down briefly the state of the guard position for Syracuse, a loaded spot where you've got a really set in stone idea of where probably 75% of the minutes come from, if not more than 75% of the minutes. And you've got four guys that in theory are rotating through the remaining 25%. Where did those minutes get broken down? Throw your thoughts in the comments, tweet at me at LO underscore Syracuse uh, if you've got ideas. If you've got content, topics you want us to hit on, uh, we'll continue going through this week. What's next? I really want to take a look at the transfer situation. Um, Donna Natota over at Syracuse.com put out a really good article. Uh, maybe I'll reach out, see if she would love to hop on the show uh, about the success rate of Syracuse players that transfer in as opposed to former Syracuse players that have transferred out. Really good read. Uh, if you haven't seen that yet over at Syracuse.com from down to the Tota. Um, but we will see what happens. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Syracuse. I'm Owen Valentine saying thank you so much for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Free and available wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. If you have a minute. Make somebody smile today. Be kind. I'll catch you tomorrow. Peace.